It's going to be a good experiment. What's it called? So, nice to be with you all again this morning at the feet of Dabjas So, we are in the midst of some introductory uh, discussions surrounding the Burma de Mohan Lila. So, we discussed, of course, it was prefaced by a discussion of the uh, contribution of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur Prabhupada Kijai. And from that, we'll uh, get into some discussion about Brahma and the Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya conception. Mm. But today I want to speak a little bit, uh, probably not too long, uh, maybe there'll be some time for questions, we'll see, but uh, about the, the place of the Brahma Vimohan Lila, what does it mean, where is it found, what is it all about? So for the introduction, before we enter into the text itself, we'll go through the, the, the Lila narrative in upcoming <laughs> sessions. Hmm? So. Obviously, Brahma Vimohan really has something to do with Brahma. And Vimohan, Mohan means it means uh, to be bewildered. Uh, uh, so Vimohan, one way of thinking about this, and probably the more common way in which it's thought about, um, is with regard to the extraordinary Aishvari or majesty that is displayed in this Lila. But there is another way to think about the, um, what is it called? The preceding syllable, the Mohan. The is called a, a prefix. Prefix. The prefix, the, which takes us a little more into the center of what the Lila is about. What I mean to say by that, without going into detail at the moment, is that uh, 
is the sweetness, Madhurya, love and intimacy, which is showcased in Braj and Vrindavan, has a background of Aishvarya, of majesty. If here in Madhavan you should find a stone on the ground that shines and glitters, that captures your attention, Possible. The ruby, sapphire, the diamond, or gold. This is after all Costa Rica, it means a rich coast where the uh, Spanish took all the gold from. Um, there's still some here. If you take that gold or a stone, as attractive as it may be, and put it on a black cloth, then its beauty will be showcased that much more. So in this analogy, the diamond, the gold piece, the jewel is the Madhuri, and the black cloth backdrop is the Aishvarya, majesty. Simply said, if Krishna, the cowherd, Gopala Krishna, performing his human-like activities, did not have the Aishwarya of the Godhead himself, then would his activities be any sweeter than any other coward hurting boy? The answer is no. So these two complement one another really together. Ostensibly, the Brahmadi Mohan Lila is about the extraordinary majesty that Krishna uh, displayed. They're bewildered to the extreme, not just Mohana, but Vimohana, uh, Brahma. But um, I think if we look more closely at what the text is about and we can draw this from Sukadev, who's narrating it to, uh, to Raj Parikshit in Srimabhagatam. We find that really what's in, on center stage is, is the intimacy of Sakya Bhav, of paternal love. And uh, in this context, uh, Brahma is being brought in to witness. All that friendly love is about what it's constituted of. We got an impression for that, the dawn of creation, as we heard the other day. Krishna said to him and extended his hand to him like he did the Shukadev. Later on in the Bhagavatam, Vishma says, and Krishna gave Shukadev Sakyarasa, immersed him in Sakyarasa at the time. So, given, as I cited, Vishma Chakravitaku Prabhupada, also in his commentary, it's definite here that, that Brahma has, has the good fortune of getting impressions for Sakyarasa. So, these impressions come from good association that uh, uh, is. Sadhus uh, driven by that, uh, that that sentiment, but the implications of all of that may take time 
to, to play out, really take time to play out, for us to realize what's happened to us and what, and what that eternal love of Krishna is constantly like. So it took a little time for Brahma to come to grips with all of us, to come, to come in touch with exactly, to have the darshan of the object of that love, which is not Krishna like this, giving Upanishadic wisdom, but Krishna like this, holding rice and fruit in his hand, and putting it in the mouths of his friends. Is that better? Yeah, and putting, <laughs> putting their rice and food in other copious mouths. We're taking from their plates and eating something and putting it in his mouth and so forth. This is uh, to see the object of love, to see the, 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 the the Vishaya Lambana of Sakiras, Gopal Krishna, to see the Ashraya Lambana, Sudam, Sridam, Subal, the friends themselves who are the embodiments of that love, to see their Sattvika Bhavs, their ecstasies, to, to, to sense their internal Sanchari Bhavs, to see their Anubhavs, their movements, and so forth, all arising out of, out of ecstasy. Rama said it himself. He had the epiphany about this place as he uh, explains in the Samhita hmm, attributed to him. That place, he said, there all of the talking is song, all of the walking is dancing. And Jiva Goswami comments very wisely, insightfully, with great feeling, he says, what must be the dancing then? And what must be the singing of that place? Mahaprabhushi Chaitanya Dev said, Shrutam api Upanishadam dure harikatamata. Where you can go through the imbibing the sounds of the Upanishads, Dure Harikatamata. Dure is very far from where you can go from hearing Harikata. He says, Kampashu Pulakadaya. He goes, he starts to again relate the Satvika Bhavs with the idea that this is take you to a world, not to a world of stillness and peace, with the war of karmic interaction being over, where you can just sigh relief. I'm not chasing anyone, so now no one is chasing me. That is karma. You're only being chased by yourself because you're taking. Nature wants something back in return. So not just to sit in peace, but to dance and celebrate the fullness of movement and transcendence that Leela constitutes. This is the idea of Leela. It's like karmic movement, but it's driven by a different 
different motivation. So, Brahma in his Lila is becoming acquainted with all the constituents of Sakyarasa, which you can learn then to put together and cultivate the seed of that bhakti that, he, that he, he has received. And he's experiencing directly this extraordinary intimacy of Krishna with his friends. So this is what is central. Therefore, Vimohan can also mean a special kind. Special doesn't mean, it, it means like Vimohan, like really big Mohana. Really big, really very quantitatively bewildered was Brahma. Because in this Lila, Krishna will show the most uh, uh, complete uh, display of majesty uh, ever recorded. In Vrindavan, you think Vrindavan is a sweet place. Majesty is only in Vaikuntha. The majesty of Vaikuntha is only a, a subset of the majesty of, of Vrindavan. But the, but the full majesty of Vrindavan is its sweetness. This hard to understand. The majesty is the sweetness is, is the fullest fuller expression of majesty than the overt majesty that Krishna displayed during the Brahma Vimohan Lila that eclipses the majesty of Narayan's display in Vaikuntha that causes that whole entire realm to bow before him in agape. Someone uh, raised a question said recently said um, you expect me to believe that Mahavishnu came to West Bengal as a way to Charya and and he couldn't deliver everybody he needed to call Krishna to come isn't this a little you know, childish type of a belief if there is a Mahavishnu uh, he's pretty powerful, and he came to Earth in West Bengal. So I replied to him that that uh, he also said, "And this law of karma, how can you believe in this?" So I replied to him that you know you, that really you are trivialized, trivi trivializing aspects of Gaudiya philosophy and theology, uh, such that you lose sight of their underlying significance, which is considerable. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously with regard to karma these, which is a difficult thing to sort out right mm -hmm. uh, how it all works and Krishna says that in the Gita in the Gita he says you can't figure it out but basically the, the idea is that this is one way in which humans mm -hmm. pious ones have come to talk about their conviction that there is an actual good and bad, that there are moral principles that are ontologically grounded, that there is a right and a wrong that transcends mere human convention. What you might think might be right or wrong, but 
what you make up to be right or wrong, meaning and so forth. So this is a, a very uh, closely held conviction on the part of the vast majority of humans who are pressed by their very human nature, which we say is a condition in which consciousness that drives the whole of nature is coming to the fore, like never before, like not in any other form of life. And therefore, as I said the other day, the question why arises, meaning, purpose. We know that the trees communicate and talk with one another. They're not asking why we're here. <laughs> They're sharing their problems and so forth, helping one another out. And so with the flora, also with the fauna. But those are how questions, They're not bad questions. But why question? That's what we're troubled with. Purpose, meaning, value, so forth. And this is not a question, again, that nature can answer because nature is quantitative, not qualitative. So we have to turn to the very thing that's asking the question, consciousness, and from where it derives and what are its possibilities and so forth. And so being driven by purpose, meaning, value, and, and also the freedom that human life affords us compared to other less complex forms of life, the freedom to be able to say, uh, thank you, you first, that's a freedom. We are not so driven by, the, by our animal side, if we're really human, to not be able to say, oh, you, you first. There's one more piece of pizza, who wants it? Do you know you? Okay, I, everybody wants it, but <laughs> but uh, but but we can say please. We can say thank you. We can show gratitude. This is the beginning of love. Don't don't talk much about rasa if you have no gratitude. If you can't say please and thank you, it's not implied in the culture in which you are you you are you are involved. The whole idea of worshiping the gods and goddesses and so forth is, is, is the first step in, in the direction of where the praying Prayogen goes in one sense. It's showing gratitude to nature. And it said, it was a, I think he was a president of the United States at one time, Grover Cleaver, Cleveland. He said, if you tell someone, if you love someone, they'll tell you all their secrets. It's true. So if you approach nature with, 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 with regard, with the bounty that she affords us and so forth, then she'll be pressed to reveal her secrets, the chief of which is that she has a soul and it's you. I mean, we should pass out just thinking about that or to speak of Sakirasa. That in itself make us breathless. What to do about it? This is Vedanta. This is the Hindu worldview, right? But aside from that, 
vast majority of humans, we are saying why, we are giving our reason why, are pressed to think that there is a right and there is a wrong way of doing things. And karma is the Hindu way of trying to put that into words and explain it. It's basically just the idea that there, that there, there is a right and wrong that transcends mere human convention, as I said, and the implication of this is that there are consequences for one's actions. Is that hard to believe? Hmm? And if you don't believe it, and you don't think that it's true, and you reason that it's not true, that there is a good and a bad that transcends mere human convention, hmm? then by extension, if there's no good or bad action, that does not bode well for reason in terms of its having the capacity to weigh in on what's true. Because if there's no good or bad, really right or wrong, there's no good or bad action, there's no good or bad thought. There's no right or wrong thought either. Your thoughts and your attempt to express them has no more meaning than raindrops falling on the roof, the sound. That's just a noises so you're in you you you, you, you 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 want to talk about what's true well this is you'd be better suited to do so by accepting a a, a worldview in which there is a good there is a bad a transmere transcends mere human convention and we see, of course, everybody thinks there's a good and a bad. Everybody thinks there's a right and a wrong, whether it be philosophically, theologically, whether they be the, the priest in the temple or the mafia boss. He also thinks there's a good and a bad. There's a right and a wrong. They have their code. Maybe different than others. That's why we need something more than mere human convention to weigh in on. Hmm? And that weighing in also on the part of Shastra, according to Hinduism, according to the Mahabharata, involves not only what a text says is right or wrong, but what reason says in relation to that, given the time and the circumstance. Hmm? It's not just a set of rules given, this is the right, this is the wrong, in all times and all circumstances. Krishna says in Bhagavad in, in the Mahabharata, he says, well, along with reason, hmm, we draw from the Shastra hmm, principles, and now we apply them according to the time, place, circumstances hmm, to determine what is the right, morally speaking, which is relative, and what is wrong, it's somewhat relative because the whole material world is such. Hmm. And the thought is to, to move in the, according to the right hmm, will, in a broader, broader way, uh, make us more receptible to an, an absolute idea of an absolute good, how to be good in this world with a small g. Uh, can, you can graduate from there to capital G, hmm? absolute good. Hmm? So I responded like that, but with regard to the Mahavishnu, coming to West Bengal, 
He couldn't save everybody. He had to call Krishna. I mean, come on. The underlying idea here is rel very relative to our talk. That's why I bring it up, our discussion. What? What's being said there? The Leela, or if you like the story, however you want to think about it, it's fine. Hmm? But think about it deeply. What's being said there is something very unique and insightful. It has many pious, educated, wise people uh, considering. What is that? That majesty, agape, it's a Greek term, reverential love of God is just a subset of transcendental eros. Mm -hmm. The Greeks, they got, I think, you got agape and then you got eros. So godly love and human love. Here we've got a transcendental eros that agape, majesty, aishvarya. We've got madhurya that aishvarya is just a subset of. The whole department of Vaikuntha, which is predicated on Vaishvarya comes from Goloka. Therefore, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. This is the central philosophical point that's being played out in the Brahma Vimohana. That means Krishna is the fountainhead of all forms of divinity. <clears throat> and as such, possibilities of interacting with him in love exceed the possibilities that can be found in relation to different expressions of himself like Narayana in Vaikuntha. That is a, a very interesting possibility, let us say. You want to speak theologically. A lot of theology is whether God exists or not, what he's like. There's not really not too much said about that. Mm -hmm. Now, as I said before, you may not believe what we say God is like, but it's a pretty interesting concept. And there's some pretty reliable people mm -hmm. that are speaking about it and 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 losing sleep over that. Mm -hmm. Weeping. Mm -hmm. There's no person in human history that better exemplifies the idea that there is love of God than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There's no, you can, and, and they're all good. So many saints from the Catholic tradition we have, and we have the, the Sufi tradition, Islams, so we have the Buddha, so on and so forth. Somebody told me the other day that some devotees had told, she said, devotees, these devotees somewhere told me this, 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 and this. Therefore, I, I can't relate to that. I said, I, she said, I think I'm going to try, try Buddhism. I said, um, I said, yeah, I can't agree with that either. Sounds like you had you know, bad association. Uh, but uh, it's hard to get away from Krishna. Buddha is an incarnation of him. Like that, <laughs> makes you reconsider. <laughs> so, uh, of course, yes, Krishna can be misrepresented. You can only misrepresent something that has that's, that has a proper representation that's, mis that's been misunderstood, right? Mm -hmm. 
so there is a, uh, and this is our lineage, a great, uh, great lineage of persons who in, embody what they speak about, which is what the texts speak about. That's why Prabhupada like to refer to it like a science, like you put, put this in here and you get that there, you mix hydrogen, oxygen, uh, in such a way that you know, it's going to become water. Mm -hmm. So if you do this, you do that, you, know, you put it together. Mm -hmm. And the person said to me, said, well, you know, so uh, I'd like to play with God, sure, but I don't know, you know, uh, if that's really possible after I die. Mm -hmm. I said, well, you don't have to wait. You can play with God now. That's our teaching. We're teaching now. Not teaching you to do it later. We're teaching you to do it now. It has a beginning. You have to get there <laughs> to the playground. Now we're showing you how to get to the playground. Hmm? You want to play with God? Nobody else is talking about it. If you like the idea, there are some people who say, well, they're doing that. We have reason to believe they're doing that because objectively speaking, we see they've harnessed their human humanness, if you will. That's pretty supernatural the story of the bhagavatam is coming out of the out of a out of the samadhi of vyas so here is a mind completely controlled hmm? senses controlled person of excellent character i mean is he not worth listening to compared to somebody else who has a theory what life's about but can't fix his mind for you know more than a few minutes. You want to tell us what mind is? But there's no mind. Mind is the brain. You know, they have no control over their own mind. Here's someone who has been able to fix the mind, and, and the evidence is not distracted by anything. And his and what could be more distracting than our own humanness? Our emotions, our feelings, and so this is very objective. You want to be objective? You can put on a white coat for a few hours and be objective in the laboratory, but if you put on a sari or don't, you got to be objective all day long. You put yourself on the on the on the table, on on the altar to be, to be sacrificed. Sadhana is about controlling the mind, controlling the senses. That means to step back from our feelings, derive from our attachments, and see if we can't get a clearer picture of what's going on. Everybody accepts that stepping back from your emotions, whether it be in the judicial system, whether it be in the scientific community, whether it be in the academic community, stepping back from your feelings, just, just the facts, ma'am. We just follow the facts, that's all. I may feel it's like this, but what do the facts say? This is renunciation. Why people reject it? Everybody's accepting it. We're just taking it to another level. That's all. And the result should be better, more extraordinary, a, 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 a more clear understanding of what, what's out there. And again, who's asking the question? What are the possibilities? This, these kind of stories come out of the... How do, where are they coming, coming out of the mind of Vyas? What kind of mind is that? We call it Samadhi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
Now, you may not be able to go in there and verify what he's thinking and feeling, but you can see, as I said, objectively, that he's harnessed his humanity, and that is supernatural. So you want to love God? It's, you don't have to wait. You, you, you want to know if there's something supernatural? You may have a question about whether there's God, but what about love of God? We can show you that in other persons and how it shows up. It's exclusive, absolute. They love nothing else. No distractions. They're better for it. In fact, they love everyone equally. Vita says, Krishna said, tells Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita, towards the end of his discourse on yoga in the sixth chapter, the perfect yogi is one who sees the suffering of others as if it's her own. Hmm? What kind of person is that? Are these people <laughs> not people you would want to associate with? Yeah, you can't see everything they're talking about that they say they're feeling. But many things you can see that you didn't see before that they're talking about. About what this, how this world works. That you didn't see. Reliable people. So I told him, I said, you want to play with God? You, you don't know if that's possible. After death, I said, well, don't wait. Play now. And if you play, what's the meaning of asking? Is this really real? When it starts happening, you're going to ask yourself, is this real? How do I know this is real? I'm playing with God now, but how do I know this is real? Well, you're thinking too much. You're not going to get there with your head. That's not possible. You can't play with God with your head. You have to play with your heart. You have to use your head to soften your heart. It's not what you know. It's how willing you are to grow and to learn because he's unknowable. Unknown and unknowable. We're talking about the Bhagavatam. You know, I'll tell it again, the story of a, tell, I've told it a few times, but son, father sent his son to Benares to get an education. Son came back, father said, did you get an education? He said, yes, what books did you study? This book, this book, this book. But the Srimad Bhagavatam was not on the list. Father said, you didn't study the Bhagavatam? No, I didn't, that book was not brought up. Father said, then you didn't get an education. Go back to Benares, study Srimad Bhagavatam. Then you can say you had an education. So then he went back to Banaras. He studied Srimad Bhagavatam. He came back. Father said, so did you study Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, yes. Now I know why you sent me there. Comparatively, what this book is about is much deeper and more insightful than all the other books I've studied. So Father said, so you understood about Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, yes. And Father said, go back to Banaras and study Srimad Bhagavatam then again another time, second time. So bewildered, he went back, he studied the second time, he came back. Father said, so did you understand Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, yes, now I know why you sent me back a second time. And so Father said, so you understood? He said, yes, he said, go back to Nars and study Srimad Bhagavatam again. Again, he went back, again, instead, he studied again, he returned. Father said, so did you study Srimad Bhagavatam a third time? He said, yes. He said, did you understand? He said, no. 
brothers and now you understand Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fit between the ears here, but it can make your heart beat mm -hmm. with feeling that retires the need to think. This is Gyan Sumyavakti. <clears throat> Bhakti unencumbered by no one. That is Braj Bhakti. They love him. People may say he's God. He may be God. <laughs> but that would be only an aspect of himself, of what he is. That majestic feature, a subset of his sweetness. This is the center of the book. So Brahma's Vimohan is not a quantitative Vimohan, quite a quantitative bewilderment very bigly bewildered by seeing the Aishvarya. That's true, because Krishna, as we'll see going forward, showed extraordinary, never seen before, never heard before type of majesty. But moreover, Brahma was born there, brought there for a special type of Vimohan. V also means like specific, Vishesh, a special kind of bewilderment. That is the bewilderment of, the, of, in this case, the Sakas of Braj. They're bewildered from the vantage point of outside of that. That's God. You can't deal with him like that. They don't think of it like that. So, Brahma Vimohan Leela, this is our subject. It, um, we just so far just talked about the word, Brahma, the title, Brahma Vimohan and Leela. Of course, many people call talk about Lila, but we said a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. It is the play of God. Mm -hmm. If you know everything and you're everywhere, if you're omniscient and omnipresent, sounds pretty good, right? But it could get boring. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. <laughs> so when you're bored, what do you do? Then you play. And the play is more than omniscience and omnipresence. It's more. This Leela is it, it's another way of saying this, this Madhurya, this Leela sweetness is more than the all-knowing. It's more than the omnipresent when he appears to be present only in Vrindavan, which means only in the heart of those who love him exclusively. We've approached him in a way that he says he has the capacity to reciprocate in kind. What way is that? Any way. Any kind of loving way. We want to approach me. I can reciprocate any way. If it's romantic, if it's friendly, if it's parental, even servile, neutral, passive adoration, so on and so forth. So the Brahma Vimohan Lila, it, it uh, consists of three chapters, 12th, 13th, and 14th, 12th of the 10th canto, the 12th and 13th are, uh, consists of the Lila narrative, and the 14th is Brahma reflecting on that Lila narrative that he has just witnessed. Hmm? with this, uh, a series of very uh, serious uh, prayers, if you will, praise 
in which the whole philosophy of Gaudi Vaishnavism in a nutshell is, is found. Just like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he went to South India and in his travels he found the, the fifth chapter of a book called the Brahma Samhita and it said he copied it down. He brought it back to Bengal and gave it to his devotees and said, what I'm about to sit from a point of view of tattva or siddhanta or theology, the underlying theological implications of what I'm about, what my ideal is, is found in this Brahma Samhita. And basically what you find there is verse after verse after verse. First it starts, it's a verse about Ishvara Paramakrishna Satchiranamu Vigraha Anadiradirgovindam Sarvakaranakaranam. A little bit of talk about his, his place. He's got a place. Adham, Goloka. It's described sonically, geometrically, in a few verses. And then song after song after song after song, the refrain of which is Govindam Adi Purusham Tamam. What is another way of saying Govindam Adi Purusham? Krishna's to Bhagavan Swami. This is what Mahaprabhu meant when he said, Oh, this is the, the essence of the Siddhanta is found there. This phrase from Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swami, this part of this one line of the verse comes in the first canto of the Bhagavatam, the third chapter, where Avatar Tattva is discussed, one of the subjects of the Bhagavatam. Avatar Tattva is discussed in relation to Abhatari, the source of the Avatara. Avatara means time means to cross, to cross from up to down, from that side to come to this side. So that verse, that line from the verse, uh, Jiva Goswami has referred to it as the Paribas Sutra. It means like it's the password to get into your wallet to get your Bitcoin. If you lose that, you're, well, you're, you're stuck. You could have millions if you just wait for years and years. But if, if, you, if your house cleaner happened to accidentally throw it away, there's a guy, he's out there, you heard about it, looking through the dump yard, you know, for the last five years, he's been looking to try to find a, a disc on which his Bitcoin was found and accidentally thrown away. So, password, hmm? password to your computer, right? The key to your house, getting in, is the idea. The Pariba Sutra, he says, this is Krishna's two Bhagavan Swami. Now someone might say, and Jiva Goswami raises the point, how can you make so much out of one line? He says, big things come in small packages. Hmm? A diamond is very small, but oh, if you give it to a girl, it used to be like that. <laughs> oh, it's a very big thing. Hmm? Such a big thing. What are the implications of that? What she will see? Does she just see a glitter? Shine? No. Sees a whole life. Hmm? Family, friends, everything. Ah, the biggest issue has been resolved here. Now we can get on with things. Hmm? 
The big things come in small packages. He said the sutras of the Oz, they're very short. Commentary after commentary has come from those. He himself, Sri Jiva Goswami Prabhupada Ki Jai, wrote the whole treatise, Krishna Sandarbha, based on this one thought of this one line. And this one line, when Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is explaining the same point in the second chapter of Adi Lidam Chaitanya Charitamrita, that Krishna is the source of Narayan. He's the full expression of the Godhead. And then add to that, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna. He's making this argument. He centers on this verse, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, and he refers us to Srimad Bhagavatam. Where? Well, to the 14th chapter of the 10th canto of the text, which is Brahma's prayers, where he's reflecting on what he just saw. And in the 14th verse of that 14th chapter of the 10th canto, Brahma says what? Narayanango, Narabhujalaya, not. And he says, this is the Paribas rule. <laughs> he's saying, this verse is saying the same thing that Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is saying. I'm saying it's also found in there in, in Brahma Samhita, Govindam Adi Purusham. So this is what Brahma realized. This is the Leela narrative, in other words, where it's played out in the story form, the sutra coming in the, in the third chapter of the first uh, Krishna's two Bhagavan. What are the implications of that? And this is how the uh, the Puranas speak. You know, I, I talked about Kabbalah said, what's this with Mahavishnu's come? You know, and, and he called for Krishna. How can I believe all this, this stuff? This is, this is, of course, people told these stories hmm, from one point of view because they were living in a Puranic worldview perspective, hmm, which is different than the modern, let's say, scientific uh, and um, commercial perspective it's different it has different values it's a different way of looking at things and you be sure that the scientific materialism as a way of, it's just a way of looking at things that's all you can't get to the pristine nature in its naked form what what, what is nature just a story they have more credibility in our times in the minds of some it delivers a really set empty, meaningless life if you, if you if you look carefully at with a close lens at it. Hmm? They lived in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's time in a pranic world perspective. Uh, this was their this were their 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 books. These were the scientific books of the time. These were the academic books of the time, right? Hmm? So when an extraordinary person like Advaita came. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came. They had to figure out who they were in relation to the worldview in which they lived. So they became avatars. Now that's just a way of thinking about it. They are avatars. <laughs> we, I live in that that world. For me, that they are avatars. But uh, now you can say, but really they're not from another worldview. But if you if you what does the story mean anyway? Again, what is it? What is it about? In relation to Advaita being Mahavishnu, 
and him worshiping Krishna. Again, it's that Aishvarya is a, is a subset of Madhurya in transcendence. That's like, wow, what's that all? I mean, that's incredible. There could be a transcendental eros that transcends agape. Nobody's talking about that. So you, 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 this is essentially the idea. And if those quote unquote stories help you to experience that truth, how, are they untrue? Yeah. That's a good story. And the Puranas, of course, are stories. This is another thing. The Puranas are full of stories. What the Puranas are is they, they take the Shruti, which is thought to be fixed, and then they move around it and explain it. The Shruti is said to speak to us. Shruti means like the Upanishads, the Vedas. The voice of the Vedas is like a king. The king says, do this. There's no time for why or just do this. Vedic, the Vedic edict, do this, do that. Now the Puranas come, Smriti texts, Puranas, and they speak in a different voice. They speak like a friend. And they tell a story. Let me tell you a story. Play out the whole story. And then what's said in an order is told in a story form, the implications of it and so forth. And it's ex explaining the Shruti, making it more available. So it's more malleable of a genre of texts that lend themselves to be to being ongoing. Hmm? Ongoing. This is important relative to the Brahma Vimohan Leela. Hmm? I'll tell you why. But the point is that the, it, it, the, the last of the Puranas, <clears throat> you can say, hasn't been written. Hmm? Let me give you an example to help you appreciate that point. Bhagavatam was said to be the final word of Vyas, right? He wrote it in one form, then Nard chastised him because he didn't emphasize Bhakti sufficiently, so he redid it after entering into Samadhi, as he was told when he came out, is the final form of the Bhagavatam. It's the last word of Vyas. But here, what did the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's followers, what was their idea? They came up with another Purana. It's called the Chaitanya Bhagavat, another Bhagavatam. This is, they wrote a Purana about it. It's a, it's a similar, similar uh, you know, idea. Well, they looked inside the Srimad Bhagavatam in Krishna Leela at the Zenith and the Rasa Leela. Something happened here that's very significant. Hmm? Krishna told the gopis that I cannot reciprocate in kind for your love. I am subordinate to your love. Hmm? If I took a lifetime of Brahma to do it, I could not repay you for the love you have, the sadviness of it. Hmm? Sadvi is the feminine for sadhu, the saintliness of it. Hmm? You have the love of saints, he said. Hmm? So I'm going to try to repay you, he says. That, by becoming a saint. I'll go to the world once in the day of Brahma 
as a saint, and I'll make devotees for you. I'll make devotees to help you. I'll make gopis and gopas to help you. That's what I'll do. I'll bring my brother with me. <laughs> he says. Hmm? That's what, right there. If you read carefully, this is what this is what our acharyas have found in the Bhagavatam. And you can be sure what our acharyas have found in the Bhagavatam is what the Bhagavatam is about. You go to Vrindavan, you hear all kinds of people giving Bhagavad Gita. No one's going to talk without quoting Jiva Goswami, no matter what sampradaya they're in. Hmm? There are some other commentaries on the Bhagavatam. They don't hold a candle to the insights that we find in Srimad Bhagavatam. Madhva, relative to our discussion, as we see, wrote a commentary on the Bhagavatam. A few words here and there. Hmm? When he came to chapters 12, 13, and 14 of the 10th canto, he didn't write anything. What do we know? What, what do we think from that? Well, his followers after that concluded, right or wrong, that he didn't write anything because these verses, these chapters, don't aren't part of the actually the Bhagavatam. They are interpolations. They've been added in. They're, and why do they say that? They must be, because Brahma is the leader of our sampradaya. And here is Vimoham. The guru is bewildered. How can, how can that be? Therefore, these, just that point turns them away from the chapters from which they could learn so many things. And so, such a nice thing are being said actually about Brahma. It's not really saying that he's, he's, he's bad. It's talking about his, his ascent to the highest ideal that transcends the ideal of Madhva himself. So naturally, they're not going to catch on to it. They have their own uh, perspective. So a couple of points here. One is this Puranic texts lend himself to, to ongoing explaining. Uh, the Bhagavatam actually is a Purana. I said the Shruti is spoken in the voice of a king. The Purana is in the voice of a... <laughs> of a friend, and the kavya, the poetry, the rasashastras, in, in the voice of a lover. Now, Srimad Bhagavatam is very unique as a Purana. Therefore, it's called Srimad Bhagavatam Amalam Puranam Amalam Pranam Yad Vaishnavanam Priyam. It is amongst the Puranas spotless. That means it's not a, it's not a Purana that's driven by Raj, that's, that's, that's focused on people troubled or bound primarily by Rajaguna or Tamaguna or Sattvaguna. What is this saying to us also? It says the scripture is relative. It's a strong point within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Some Puranas are spoken to people who are in a Tamaguna. We won't, we're not going to quote them and make that, Shiva Purana says this, therefore that's our Siddhanta. No, maybe part of it, where the Sanatkumar Samhita is found. <laughs> but the center hub is Bhagavatam, of the, of the, of the Shastra, and that is, that is Amalam, Nirguna. It is not, it is 
Dharma projita kaita vutra, paramo niramat saram, sakam vidyam, vastava matra, vastu shivadam, tapa trayonulanam. Srimad bhagavate mahamunikrite kim vapara rishpara, sadyo, fidevaluti tetra, to be his, to be his, It's for the paramahamsas, Srimad bhagavatam, it is amalam. Purana, amongst the Puranas, it's not tinged by Sattva, Rajas, or Thomas. It's not speaking. It, it, it's coming from the near moon. It's where the Paramahamsas is the Amala Pramana, the supreme form of scriptural evidence. Therefore, what do we find in Srimad Bhagavatam? We find all three voices. We find the voice of the king, Shruti, and the text says, Shruti Sara may come. This book is the essence of the Shruti. Shruti means it's directly spoken. It's directly spoken by God. It came in four verses from Krishna to Brahma. That's the Bhagavatam. Oh my God. Sukadev spoke it in 18,000 verses. We must speak in 118,000 verses. On, keep going, churning the. The nectar of the life of Bhagwan, Srimad Bhagavatam. Bhagwan, as he's under the influence of Sri Radha, Jai Sri Radhe, Jai. It speaks in the voice of, 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 of a king, it speaks in the voice of a friend, and it speaks in the voice of a lover, all three voices. So he is the best of all the, the texts. And it is an ongoing affair. There's no end to that. If you could take four verses and turn it 18,000, then go commentaries continue. We have a long history of commentarial history over, over decades and centuries. It should continue. There should be new light. I said, in the center of the Bhagavatam, what do they find? Hmm. Krishna has to turn into a sadhu to repay the gopis. Gorlila is born. Is born in the, the genesis of Gorlila is in the apex of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah, so it comes there. So another Leela. Hmm. The Purana must continue as the Chaitanya Bhagavat. So this is why the world, we, we find it a friendly world to live in. Hmm. We don't find it to be false to be superstitious. What is it dealing with? all the stories dealing with? What profound truths are they dealing with impressing upon us to, to, to pay attention to and, to and to consider? It's one thing to be some, some superstitious story about but that, you know, if this happens, that happens, and don't do this, therefore. I mean, what what what's the result? What what's it about? What's underlying? This should not be lost on us. Therefore, bhaktas are not just sentimental. They use their intelligence. They they tax their intelligence also. They use their head again, as I said, to soften their heart. So, so here comes the Madhva Sampradaya, and they have a problem with these three chapters of the Bhagavatam, given their perspective. Now, it's not clear that Madhva objected to them. He just didn't come. 
but later commentators have decided this must be interpreted. And I'm making the point, even if it was, who's, well, this is an ongoing tradition. This is not any reason to, but what is being said there? But besides that, our Gordi Acharyas will make arguments that uh, without, without raising that point that are sufficient hmm, to uh, secure the faith of others who require hmm, certain arguments in order for their faith to be captured. Oh, these are not part of the original Bhagavatam. Therefore, they must not be ignoring what they say. They must not fit. They fit perfectly. If you understand Srimad Bhagavatam. But besides that, included in the Brahma Vimohan Leela, which is chapters 11, 12, and or 12, 13, and 14, is in chapter 12, the introduction, the slaying of Agasura. Agasura who's mentioned in the first canto of the Bhagavatam, Agabit, I think first canto, first or third, I think it's some prior. So the story of Agasura is part of the Brahma Vimohanli, the, the epithet, Agabit, Krishna is, by the, this is a, a very um, uh, popular uh, name for Krishna invoked by our acharyas. Name of Krishna in relation to Aga. Defeated Aga. Aga means sin. Who destroys sin. Just by his presence. So, so many poems and so many texts, Krishna is, is this name is raised. And in the Bhagavatam, the name is given also. So the story of of the slaying of Abhagasur, it has a place in the Bhagavatam. Mm. These chapters fit, and they certainly predate the Goswamis. Mm. He was only makes this point. He cites ancient commentaries that cite them. Sridhar Swami's commentary is prior to, which was so much appreciated by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, was prior to Madhva's commentary and extensive comparatively. And he commented on these chapters. Oh, Pranas say there are 335 chapters in the Bhagavatam. We take these three out, you only have 332. So they might, so he gives evidences like this for those who need those type of evidences at the time. I've explained it with other evidences as well. Our time can help us to appreciate the importance of these three chapters in the Bhagavatam that constitute the Brahma, the Mohan, Leela. So we will discuss the Brahma, the Mohan, Leela, then the charm of that going forward. I think I will in the next class maybe give a little further preface from the, from the Leela itself as to how, uh, how uh, that which just immediately precedes the help us to appreciate it. Help us to appreciate the feeling of it. The feeling of Krishna at that age, at that time, his friends, what's happening to them. Bhagavan Ji, Gopal Krishna Ki Jai, Ramali Mohan Lila Ki Jai, Grantaraha Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Gol Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai. So, any question? Yes. Maybe a quick one, but not.
What I mean by that is, let me, let me, let me tell you something else. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, as I said the other day, he was dealing with the modern world, right? Hmm? And, and you had your traditionalists. By traditionalists in India, I mean persons who were not looking at the world through the lens of what might be called modernity. Western, academic, scientific, whatever, uh, rationale, and so forth. They were living in the traditional Indian uh, <laughs> Hindu perspective on uh, life, what it's about. Their main books were the Puranas and, uh, and books like the Gita, the Bhagavatam, Ramayana. They were living in those. Those stories were the stories of their past or how people prior to them hmm, talked about their lives hmm, through such stories. You can look at it like that. That's a way of saying it's you know, mytho-historic. It's not historic because you can't trace it out and neither were the Indians. The problem with the Indians from the Western point of view of a lot of people is, oh, the history is like, uh, they have a different perspective. They're not so concerned with how this went, this, 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 this. They're concerned with the feeling of the moment. Mm -hmm. You see, let me give you an example. Mm. In modern uh, cinema, in the West, everything is plot driven. The plot is everything. And they give you like a, this complicated plot, you got to really pay attention, what's going to happen next? And all, you never expected this, and, and it really draws you in. The plot is everything. Hmm? Now, if you go to Bollywood, 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 or Bollywood, Bollywood, right, okay, Bollywood, you get some, it's changing because of the Western influence. But what's very popular is musicals, right? Musicals were a genre of movies that, that Western music is, Western um, theater has moved away from, although recently it may be getting a comeback. This, uh, what is his name, the famous, uh, director, producer, Steven Spielberg has just redone the famous uh, West Side Story. It is, West Side Story is Romeo and Juliet set in like West Side of New York. It was a musical, famous musical from years ago. So he's redone it. So anyway, it's a musical. So maybe they're making a comeback, but what happens in musicals is plots going along, there's a plot, something happens, and then that moment, the feeling of that moment is magnified, right? And it's danced out and it's sung and it's elaborated upon, like choreographed and, and so forth. That moment is emphasized. So you could even like lose the plot, but like, wow, that was great. <laughs> that moment was great. It really brought that out. Or let's say, where does the plot fit into opera? 
okay, there's got to be a plot. Yeah, but it's kind of secondary. Mm -hmm. And if you've got some scar for that type of genre of the arts, then you weep mm -hmm. as he sings and she sings the, out their feelings. Mm -hmm. So you look at opera, mm -hmm. musicals. Mm -hmm. This gets a little closer to what how the Indian poets told and the stories of the Bhagavad these texts and so forth. Rasa is, is, is about the feeling of the moment and bring, just bring it out. That's central. Like you can read, read Rupa Goswami's Lita uh, Madhava. It's like the story goes here and ends, the story goes here and ends. I mean, there's a little plot. He's bringing out the feelings. So the plot is secondary. And what, what the plot is to Western modern uh, theater is what Rasa is to uh, the, 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 the Lila Grantas of the Goswamis and Srimad Bhagavatam, which is Nigama Kalvatavo Galitam Kalam, Sukamukalamata Drabasam Ritam, Pibata Bhagavatam, Rasam Alayam, Muraho Rasikabubi Bhavaka. It says, if you drink this ripened fruit of the Bhagavatam that's become just a little fermented and pass out, is the implication. It's galitam palam. That means it's the fruit. It's so ripe that it's fallen. Maybe it's fermented a little bit. And you become intoxicated by that. And you pass out. This is not a problem. Bhagavatam says, what should I do when I come to my senses? Drink it again. That's what it says. Just drink it again. Yeah, pass out. That's what it's meant to do to you. So the answer to your question, in the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they're living in this Puranic worldview. So in the Pranic worldview, there are avatars that come. Hmm? And the number of them is asankhya, uncountable. Hmm? <clears throat> so this is what they did. They, they looked in their books. They, they, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came on the scene. Hmm? There, uh, Advaita was doing Namsan Kirtan, dis, in discourse on Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavatam. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes on the scene. Everybody loved him except the Vaishnavas. They loved him too, but they were angry at him because he was not becoming a Vaishnav. Hmm? Finally, then he said, oh, I'll become a Vaishnav. I'll become a best Vaishnav. Oh, you are so proud, that boy. He's so charming, but he's so proud. Hmm? If we had him in our ranks, if we could convert him, what would, what would be our position then? Oh, but he's a rascal. He wants to debate the Vaishnavas. We're not here for debate, for argument. That is a waste of time. We're here for Rasa. And then he went to East Bengal. There he met Ishwar Puri. She Ishwar Puri Pad Kijai. Then he received the blessing and the diksha. He came back to West to, to, to West Bengal, maddened. He taught grammar, Sanskrit grammar, 
And now we taught every word, every syllable in the Sanskrit language is only speaking about Krishna. Crazy idea, but they believed him and he demonstrated it. And the word rippled through Nadia amongst the Vaishnava. Nimai Pandit has become a Vaishnava. Nimai Pandit has become a Vaishnava. Can you believe it? Go to Suklambar's house. He's there now, weeping in Kirtan. And they went. There he was in their midst. And now he's beginning to manifest himself. And as I said the other day, his brain was so deep and he so readily was it being given out. Wherever he glanced, they thought, who is he? Where would, what was their frame of reference? Well, the Puranas and so forth. So he must be in there. He's a God. He must be some kind of avatar. Namo Mahabhadanaya. Krishna Prema Padayate. Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne. Gauratrisay Nama. Namo Mahabhadanaya. This is his, his guna, his quality. Mahabhadanaya. There is no one more magnanimous than him. Hmm? And Krishna is the most magnanimous. Uddhava said, and he's Shastravit. He knows everything from Shastra. He said, oh my God. Who in their right mind would not take shelter of Krishna? Would take shelter of someone other than Krishna? Who gave Vatsalya Prem to Putana? Who tried to commit infanticide by smearing poison on her breast that the infant would suckle. This is like, should be in the headlines. Woman smears poison on breast, tries to kill her child. And he gave her, that's all he praying. Uddhava's mind is blown. He says, and Rupa Goswami is saying, Krishna is that, we know that. This person is giving Krishna fame, which Krishna doesn't do readily, sometimes here, but he's giving it everywhere he looks. He's got, the, as time passed, they realized he's got this other guy with him who gives it wherever he doesn't look. Nitananda Prabhu ki jai. Whoever wants it, Mahaprabhu will give it. Whoever doesn't want it, Nitananda Prabhu will give it. What a time in which to live. And just one generation after that, he's writing the Chaitanya Bhagavat, Vrindabhadas Thakur. And in those pages, he laments, I could not, I took birth just a short period after that, and now they're all gone, all these associates, practically. He's the last disciple of Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm? My mother, Narayan, hmm? lived in the house of Shiva, where that kirtan took place. I missed that. Yeah. 
his whole life spent just lamenting how he understood the significance of that time. So the point is that they're living, they want it. How will they identify who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is? They have a certain worldview. So within that worldview, they're going to, they're going to identify. And Advaita, what is his position? Which is brought out, we were already extraordinary, but then brought out by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance as well, further. So they're going to identify them as, well, he must be an avatar. Rupa Goswami said, Mahabharata Nayak. His qualities are this. He's Mahabharata Nayak. Krishna Prema Pradayate. This is his Leela, what he does. He gives out Krishna Prema. Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya. His Nam is Krishna Chaitanya. Gora Tusei Namah is Rupa. His form is golden. He's black inside, golden outside. Mahabhav, Vasaraj, Duyekarup. What is Jiva Goswami's verse? Antar Krishna Bahir Gauranga. Antahar Krishna. Bahir Gauranga. Inside is dark, he's Krishna. Outside is golden. So, who is, what are they saying? They're looking in the Bhagavatam and they're figuring out who he is from there, from their books. They're not looking at an encyclopedia of medicine and saying, what kind of disease does this guy have? It's passing out all the time and weeping. Maybe epilepsy? That's how we'll identify him. Hmm? Got to figure him out. Who is he? Hmm? So that's how they figured him out because that was their worldview. Hmm? You understand? Other people... The British might look at it differently. Well, the Indians look like that. They had these backwards books, and, they, and so they, they thought of them like that. But theirs is just another story, as I said. And it's, and it, and it's not a very happy ending. When then with regard to this story of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it's never ending, and it's beginning right now. If you want to play with God, you can do it now. We're not waiting for death. Death's already happened. A thousand times, mm-hmm. a thousand million times. In this life, I've died a, died a thousand times mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. You understand? Chaitanya Bhagavad Kijai. Prantaraj Srimad Bhagavad Kijai. Another question? Yes. Guru Maharaj, I would have a question about Madhavach. Uh, about what? Uh, Madhavach, yeah. Madhvacharya yeah. ki jai. Yeah. So we belong to his sampradaya. That's become clear. But it seems to me that we are odd-switching every once in a while from listening to you. Like we, we take yes. a slightly different yes. opinion on things. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> yes, so you want to talk about that. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, that's why there are different opinions about that. Some say we're not connected to Madhvacharya because the theology is is take such a turn and, and so forth. Uh, but I think that nonetheless, others who, who uh, make the connection, they do so for reasons that I was explaining the other day, based on the verse and to uh, bring credibility to a begin- some pradaya that's beginning and so on and so forth. That's one way of looking at it. And, 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 and therefore, there's a formal connection. 
the formal connection is there. Now, we said that Kavikarnapur, in his writing, acknowledges the Brahma Sampradaya and the connection, right? Later, centuries later, Baladevijabhusan also. So we've got a two ends. So there's a formal connection, I can say. There's, there's, there's good su support for that. For the Gaudiya Sampradaya being connected with the Madhva Sampradaya. Now, that's it. What about the differences? Well, what's happening is this. We will look at it like this. The Madhva Sampradaya is a Vaidhi Marg Sampradaya that worships Krishna and Vaidhi Marg. It said the deity of Krishna worshipped by Rukmini was recovered by Madhva. And that is the deity that's installed in Udupi, the Madhva center in South India, where they worship him with great reverence and so forth. So they have a certain perspective on him, right? Now, that said, our Sampradaya has Krishna appearing as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna himself, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, appearing in the Madhva Sampradaya, in the Brahma Madhva Sampradaya. He is the founder of the Sampradaya, and he's appearing later on in the Sampradaya. So, therefore, we say, now, at this point in the Sampradaya, given the extraordinary circumstances that surround his appearing in the Sampradaya, after having started it, he spoke it to, Bra to, to, to Brahma in four verses, which, true, they're pretty deep. What, what, what a lot of meaning you could draw from that. Hmm? So Madhva was able to draw something from it, well and good, but he didn't get it all. Hmm? He had it by, got it by Kunta perspective on it which we don't discount, we don't dismiss. It's a valid perspective. How can we not say that? Look at his character, Madhva. Hmm? Extraordinary person, Sadhu, Vaikuntha Bhakta. Hmm? I was in South India some years back. We were taking lunch with uh, uh, in the house of a devotee in a, in, in, in a Sri Sampradaya, which is also an Aish, Mark Sampradaya, is the devotee of Narayan. And uh, we were all taking lunch. He was serving. He was in his house, myself and some other sannyasins. And um, one of my godbrothers said to him, you know, so-and-so, forget his name. He said, you are, whenever we, we were having Krishna Kata while we talked, we were taking prasad. He said, whenever we have Krishna Kata, you, you seem very happy, very joyful. He said, oh, yes, 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 very nice. And then my governor said, but, but when we talk about Narayan, then he, he just cut him off. Said, that is another thing. Said, that is another thing. And I was like, wow, this guy is from your mouth. Like, what is this guy? Like, wow, he's a priest from Vaikuntha. That is another thing. Oh. I went into a trance, practically. I was so overjoyed to see that. So we don't dismiss their perspective, but there's many things to, there's variety to the spiritual world. So Krishna's giving something in Bhagavatam in those four verses. And say so we could say, uh, passed down to Brahma. Brahma didn't understand it all either. He had to be taken into the Krishna Leela to get further Siksha and so forth. So Madhva understood something. We can say he saw Vyasa in the Himalayas 
They all said, yeah, that, that's, that's true. That'll take you to Vaikuntha. But now Krishna is the founder of the Sampradaya, right? He's the head of the Brahma Sampradaya. So he's now coming in the Sampradaya. And this extraordinary circumstances that he's there in the first place, is he not going to talk about them? Hmm? Why is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu there? Well, we said he, Krishna had a problem in the Bhagavatam, <laughs> in the Prakat Lila. He, he couldn't repay the gopis. He's coming to taste their love. It's the, you're, the, you're, I'm Rasaraj, everybody says, <laughs> but I got a problem. I'm having an existential crisis because your experience of rasa, Radhi, Radhika, is great, exceeds mine. And everybody thinks that I'm the, the king of rasa. So I, and it's my nature to taste rasa. I have to taste what you're tasting to fulfill my appetite as Rasa Raj. How will I do that? And so forth. This is his, 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 his dilemma. So this is the, what, the internal reason for his appearance. And in the context of that, Krishna is going to speak something a little bit more. So there's some difference. Does that help? Yeah. From what the Bodhi Sampradaya. Kijai, yes, Maharaj has some comment. There's another one question on the, uh, the Zoom chat. Yes, question. By Indra Vaya. Indra Vaya. She's asking, I was wondering where did the other lost verses of the Brahma Sanhita go? Why didn't Lord Chaitanya mystically also recover those? Is there any information whatsoever on what was, of what was mentioned in the other verses or chapters? Yeah, the only thing that we have um, is the fifth chapter of the Brahma Samhita. Uh, there is a Brihat Brahma Samhita mm -hmm. that exists um, that is a different book, but similar, and uh, it's available in full. But this, whether this is related to that and somehow taken from that, um, but not a, not not um, found in present editions of that, which it's not, um, that we don't know. All we know is that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu brought it back. And I, I think in, in his own handwritten form. So some people say, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made it up. And we say, great, no problem. Whatever he writes down, that would be worth <laughs> paying attention to. And then, but he himself said, you know, this is the fifth chapter of the Brahma Samhita. So, so it's a, it's so for us, Bodhis who follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, then this is a very important text. Now, other sampradayas will not necessarily accept it as their one of their scriptural canons, and it's speaking about a certain perspective that is supported at the same time by other texts, as I've already explained. It's, it's supported in the, in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, it's supported in the Gopal Tapani, Upanishad, and so forth. So we have good reason, based on other texts that other Sampradayas do accept, to accept the Siddhanta of the Brahma Samhita. It's not saying something new. It's saying in another way, in a charming way, something that we find in, in other texts. So that's how we will think about that. Does that help? Okay. Any other question? Yes. Mark, earlier you were talking about um, the center of Srimad Bhagavatam, 
And then I didn't quite catch what you were saying. There was some words that you were talking about something about uh, how the seed of borrow is in the center of the human bottles. And I was just wondering if you could clarifying uh, yeah, what it means is that in the in the center of the Bhagavatam, Bhagavatam has uh, it's the center of the Bhagavatam is the is the tenth canto. Hmm? So we're we're taught that Sadhu Sanganam Kirtan Bhagavat Shravan and Maturavas and so these five things worshiping the Murti, the deity living in Mathura, Sadhusanga, Nam Kirtan, and hearing the Bhagavatam are very powerful angas, limbs of bhakti. Hmm? Commenting on this, Jiva Goswami says, hearing the Bhagavatam means hearing the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? This is its center. This is what it's all about. Hmm? While the other chapters are not unimportant, they're all supporting that theologically, philosophically, and so on and so forth. It's much greater, longer chapter in, what is it, 90 chapters of the 10th canto. So that's the center of the book. Now, the center of the 10th canto, it has three centers. These are aesthetic centers. It has a Vatsali Rasa center. These are the chapters surrounding the Dhammadar Lila. It has a Sakiras center. These are the chapters surrounding, beginning with the Brahma Vimohan Lila, extending over several chapters, 15th chapter, 16th, 17th, 18th, this is center, where Sakiras is showcased and brought out. And then you have the Madhurya Rasa center, which is arguably the center of the centers, it's the apex of, of, of Rasa. And that is the five chapters, Raspantajai. They're compared to the five heirs, pran, the life of the Bhagavatam, these five chapters. So in these chapters, Krishna consummates his relationship with the gopis, which he said he would during the Gopi Vastraharana Leela. Krishna stole the clothes of the gopis. So we do this now unofficially, marry you. That's another story, but then well, we'll consummate that just ahead. So a year later or so, it's consummated. That's called Ras Lila, five chapters. Krishna throws his flute, the gopis come. He says, you shouldn't be here. The Dharma Shastra says this. The Gyanis say this. Mm -hmm. The gopis said, we don't care for Gyan and Karma, we're here for you. He's testing them, their bhakti is Gyan Karmadi Anavit, uncovered by bhakti or karma. It's pure. They only wanted to love him. Anukulena, Krishna Nushila, Bhakti Ruttam, Uttam Bhakti. So then they begin the Rasa Lila. Rasa Lila is, there's a Lila, five chapters, and Rasa Lila is a particular kind of dance also. There's the Rasa and Rasa Lila. Rasa is the long A. That's the Rasa Lila. That's the dance itself. So this is a very um, a special affair, and Krishna's involved in it, and then suddenly he disappears, right? And the gopis go after him. 
next chapter. They're, they're looking for him. They find his footprints. Next to his footprints, they find another gopi's footprints. They say, There's another gopi. She must have been Anuradha. Anuradha. Aradhana. Must have been Aradhana. Must have Radha worshipped him better because he, she, he stayed with her. He left all of us for her. Her love must exceed all of our love put together. Who's she? So they're following the footprints. And then they find Radha. They find, oh, it looks here like she asked him to carry her because his footprints become deeper and hers are absent. And they keep walking and they find her. And her, they're feeling separation from Krishna, but they see her separation exceeds all of theirs together. Krishna's arrangement, he's teaching, please Radha. So then they all go together, sympathetic with one another, hand in hand. And they begin kirtan along the banks of the Jamuna. And then Krishna sees their separation from him. And he is just blown away by that. So sheepishly, he comes on the scene. And then they have a conversation. And they ask, what kind of lover are you anyway? You left us like that. They outline different types of lovers, three or four. Then he responds, I'm not this type, this type, this type. And actually, the reason I disappeared was because I wanted to see the measure of your love, the separation. Because if you have a valuable thing and you lose it, then just how valuable it is will show up in how you respond to that, the fact that you've lost it. Because you have it. I've got it. I've got it. Everything's good. Hmm? Suddenly lost it now. Now you act. Now you can only think of it. 24 hours. So the power of separation. So he sees their separation. And he says, I wanted to see that. And I see that. I realize that your love for me is so extreme that I cannot reciprocate in kind. Your love is its own virtue. I, I have to worship your love. Your experience of rasa exceeds my own. See, so he's having an existential crisis this time, as I said, because he thinks I'm supposed to be the king of rasa. But I can see that they are experiencing aesthetic rapture in a measure that exceeds my own. How can this be? Are all the yogis wrong? All the sadhus wrong? So then he realizes, oh, there's something in me that Radha sees from her vantage point that I can't see. And that's what's driving her mad. And so I am who I thought I was, but I can't experience myself as fully as she can. Mm -hmm. It's like someone takes your picture and says, oh, that's a great picture of you. Well, I don't know if that's me. That, that's what you look like. No, 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 about that. No, you, do. you look like that. That's you, that's a great picture. Okay, you have to adjust your thinking. Look back in the mirror, no, that's not me. So <laughs> other people may know us better than ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
Partner may know you better, right? You learn about yourself from your own partner. So Krishna realizes that there's something in him that makes Radha the way she is, that she's connecting with. And he wants to connect with that to fully understand himself. So that dilemma of Krishna is what gives rise to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Lila, because in the way in which he resolves the problem is to appear as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to taste the bhava of Radha, to stand in her the, the shoes of her bhava and experience himself. And it is a Leela of Krishna being a sadhu, because he said, your love is saintly. So if I'm to taste that, I have to become a saint. I have to take the position of the, the, the servant of God rather than that of God. Hmm? So in this sense, then, this zenith, this is the zenith of the of, of the of aesthetic rapture as it's as it's displayed, shared in Shrimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? Everything else after that is all reflecting back on the Braj Leela and its significance and so on and so forth, the material Leela, the Dwarf Leela. Hmm? So it, this is where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu etern, eternally arises, do you understand? Hmm? Yeah, okay. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ki jai. Vantarashima Bhagavati. Old Premanandi. Thank you so much, Keith.